This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 688 of the Dressage Radio Show, official podcast of the United States Dressage Federation on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products. On the show today, we will bring you technical delegate Susan Moran to explain her role at the competitions. After that, our friend Karen Isberg comes on to talk about horses with challenging nutritional requirements. For our tip of the week, Christina Wright from the USDF is with us. Reese Coppler Stanfield from Georgetown, Kentucky. And this is Philip Parks from Rockwood, Ontario, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. Well, hi, Phil. How are you today? <laughs> I'm doing pretty good. Uh, it's starting to get a little chilly up here, so that kind of puts me in a little bit of a grumpy mood. Oh, no. Are we? Yeah. No, Phil. Are we, are we taking the turn already? It's, yeah. only, it's only September. Yeah, well... Yeah, no. it's, it's, everybody knows if you're new to the show, welcome to Grumpy <laughs> Phil season. Like it's happening. It's happening. Grumpy Phil season. It's only. Uh, I think September. it happens earlier and earlier. I, 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 yeah, I don't Every, know. But, yeah. After doing this for 10 years, this is happening earlier. Oh, no, we have Grumpy Phil. OK, everybody, let's talk about this. I mean, it's really hard to, to feel bad about Grumpy Phil, especially when I go to Wellington, because then Grumpy Phil really comes out. But yeah, right now, I think I'm that's, still that's in what Kentucky. sends me over the edge. Ooh, yeah, sends him over the edge. Oh, man, he's <laughs> so grumpy. And we get on before he, he, you liven up for the show. But sometimes when we get on, he's like, I don't want to hear about your week. And I'm like, okay, yeah. welcome. Don't, don't tell me about Florida and how hot yeah. it is. And how hot it is that you're <laughs> training horses with X trainer. He's like, I don't want to hear about it. Oh, oh, everybody, it's bad. It's bad. But, uh, Phil, I mean, it's beautiful here. It's fall. And you know, I like fall. I like sweater weather. I like a latte. I mean, yeah, there's, lot, there's, lots, of, there's light, ah, lots of nice things uh, about wonderful. fall. It's just because okay. it precedes winter. That <laughs> yeah. All those things are, are so I think, are the take, like the joy is out of them. Well, me. I just want to take a time out. Everybody, Phil is always invited to Florida for the entire season, but Grumpy <laughs> Phil just likes to stay in Canada. But right now, Oh, Phil, it's perfect. The weather in Kentucky is perfect. I, I made some chili. We're watching football. Like, oh, I love it. I love it. Went to a, a pumpkin patch over the weekend <laughs> with some friends. I mean, yeah. I'm just living it up. I'm like, I think, yes. I think, well, actually, um, my wife has, has gotten this weekend off, but she normally uh, works at least one of the days of the, of the weekends all the time so she's yeah. she worked both days last weekend so that she could have this weekend off so we're gonna take our little chihuahua to uh to a pumpkin patch i hear oh my gosh uh, i cannot wait for get, the instagram get some, get some instagram I'm ready. yeah I'm ready I'm ready for the gram i'm ready it's <laughs> so great um he's, yeah. yeah he's pretty cool but but i think so our, our lives are now revolving around this little elderly chihuahua and his instagram I'm loving it. I'm loving every minute. I, yeah, I like to drink I, I'm my not, I'm not loving that. Like the videos are great yeah. and, the, and the dog yeah, is it. great. But I, I just like, do we have to do a bunch of Instagram? Tell Meredith. My, I, it, it's literally like my favorite part of the day. I'm drinking my latte and I watch Coco's Instagram. I'm there. Yeah. I'm right there. Whatever. Yeah. You, you so if anybody wants to follow, follow along, 
it's with, awesome. Uh, with Coco, our our elderly <laughs> Chihuahua. His his Instagram is the Mojo of Coco. Oh all, yeah, it will not. The yeah, Mojo and, of Coco. It he, will not he is. I mean, I've heard that he is the highlight of many people's yeah. days. So that's that's the inspiration for his. Uh, yeah. His I Instagram. Mean, for the gram. I'm drinking my latte. I'm watching Coco. I'm, I'm like, life's good. I'm, I'm maybe training some horses. I'm getting ready for finals. Big Mike, uh, Uncle Scott, my my trainer Scott Hassler came in. Uncle Scotty came in. Uh, we always got some work to do. We're 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 ready. We're committed. We're ready. Uncle Scotty was uh, wanted want a little bit more from Big Mike. Uh, so that's that's Those where we iron are. Iron trainers, they always want a little yeah, bit more. One more, but I'm ready. I'm I'm doing more sit ups. I am I'm I'm working on my fitness. Like I'm ready. I'm excited about finals, um, which we're gonna talk about today with Christina from USCF. For it, it's finals time. Not everyone is qualified, but Big Mike and I are ready to go. Already done my entry. Like I'm really looking forward to it. I've got some friends coming in all over the U.S. Um, and we're gonna have a big time. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I, I, no, be, I think this will be a really good one because it's, yeah. uh, you know, the first year kind of post pandemic. Yeah. Last year was kind crazy. Of, kind of stuff. Yeah. It was huge. But this is, this would be more of a normal year and, and I'm looking forward to that. Like, uh, so big Mike and I, I mean, we're not going to lie. We're, we're training hard. We're getting ready. I mean, in a nice way, and we're, <laughs> we're still doing some hacks. We go to our neighbors and they have an amazing track. We we go play out there. Like we're still we're we're keeping a balance, but we're we're maybe stepping it up a little. I needed that. You know, truly, like um, you know, it's Phil and I have coaches too, and you know, you have your coach come in because well, that's their job is to not tell you you're amazing. I mean, I really like it when he gives me compliments, but he didn't compliment <laughs> much. <laughs> he was like, All right, kids, like well, we gotta get ready. Yeah, so put you to work. Yeah, I mean, you're so, not you're not you know, you're not going to to the finals just to hang around yeah. and, and, and to be there. You've, well, I mean, last year that, we did. Right? Yeah, last year, Big Mike, we were really happy to be there. I was like, this is awesome. This is his second year at I won, and, and he can really, he can step it up. So stepping it up, working on some throughness. Um, you know, we we looked at our tests, we reviewed it, we talked about it. And, and I had good tests. I, I'm not unhappy with his tests at finals, but uh, regionals, but it can be better. So yeah, super motivated, ready to go. Um, you know, and then we'll take a little break before we go to Florida, but I'm really excited about that. So we really have a good show. Like, actually, I'm going to, I'm going to share some personal stuff about big Mike with, uh, uh, Karen Isberg. Uh, she's coming on here in a little bit, but the, the, uh, the elephant in the room kind of is there's a hurricane actually on its way and slightly in, in my family, my brother's name is Ian. <laughs> so, uh, hurricane Ian memes have been flying through my family because, uh, my brother can be a hurricane. We love you. I love you, Ian. Um, but right now it's a hurricane, uh, heading toward Florida. So Mary Phelps did a great, uh, post today, which I thought I wanted to talk about. Obviously very rarely do hurricanes hit Kentucky. One just hit Canada this year, this week. Uh, crazy. Um, yeah, that's, but- uh, that's the East coast. Many, many times they're there. They come from, you know, like they make landfall in the southern u.s and then track up the coast and and then you know we get some remnants but this time it sort of stayed away from your you know kind of georgia yeah yeah, um southern states coast and and tracked all the way up the coast picked up speed picked up a lot of water and then and then hit our our um east coast and uh and hit it hard so yeah photo photos and news reports and stories um looks like the devastation is just terrible. So 
well, we're, we're hoping if any listeners up there were thinking about you and, and we're thinking yeah. about people coming, uh, but she, she did. And I'll just go through this list pretty quickly, but you know, she talked about taking her plants and indoor furniture inside, bringing all bird feeders in. Um, she emptied the muck buckets, which I didn't even think about, but that's true, right? There may be a day or two where you need muck buckets, right? To empty, to clean your stalls, empty your muck buckets, fill the trunks with water. Uh, and I'm assuming those are those, um, and we use them too, those Stanley trunks, right? Which I thought was really smart. She filled all the tanks with gas and then she, she has an RV. She got the generator ready. She filled it with water. There's plenty of propane. She has food, water, and wine, which respect, I would do the same. She's plenty of ice. Uh, if they lose electricity, I saw today, like actually freezing some water bottles in your, fr- in your freezers. Good idea because those will thaw, but keep your items cold. All vehicles have gas. Everything's charged. The horse trailer's hooked up. So I thought those were all really good tips, actually. Yeah, I um, think, you know, um, if you have a farm, you have horses on your farm, you, you should yeah. have uh, an emergency preparedness plan. You know, and we've talked about it before from like the people who uh, were, were stuck in a storm or in these hurricanes and then, you know, what happens and, and what you should do. So... Exactly. Um, this is the season, and uh, yes. yeah, don't wait till last last minute or or something like that. You know, be ready and be prepared and have a plan. And yep. Oh, exactly. Know. Well, we're the we're thinking about you and praying yeah. for you, and 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 yeah. and I hope that helps. If that if you're preparing for any natural disaster, I think any of those um, fires in in California, like I think all the that will play a part. So we hope that helps that list. Um, and, and truly we're thinking about you. So, um, but Phil back to the show, we've got a great show and we're going to have a quick commercial break and we'll get into it. Founded in 1973, the United States Dressage Federation has become the largest organization to represent a single Olympic equestrian discipline at nearly 30,000 members strong. USDF is your connection to dressage education, competition, and achievement. Visit usdf.org to learn more about USDF education, competition and award programs, and to shop our online store. Again, that's usdf.org, your online destination for dressage. Well, tonight we are finally giving TD some love. We have Susan Moran. She's been a USEF TD for over 24 years. She's here in in my area. She's kind of my neighbor. Uh, Susan, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I'm glad to be here. Well, we're thrilled. You and I were just at a huge regional championships, region four championships. Um, yes, a couple we were. Ago. Yeah, it was a big one. Uh, but we've, we've done many shows together and, and we wanted to have you on because uh, I think, I think the role of the TD is not well-defined to competitors. And I think it's so important that we talk about it. And, and what is, what is a TD's role? Let's, let's talk about that. Okay, well, TD is actually a technical delegate. We are licensed by the United States Equestrian Federation. We have gone through a rigid training program, one to two years worth of learning everything about a show. So if something goes wrong, we have already worked those areas so we know what the problem could be and how to fix it. Our job is to come and make sure that the show follows the rules and everybody is in compliance and everything is a fair playing field for everyone. So we are there to help. If there's an issue, we like to solve the issue and help them. We are not there to ding the show 
we are there, in my opinion, to help the show and get the show going and everything work. We are also a friend to the competitors. We are there to help them. If they've got a question, we normally are able to find the answer for them, or if not, we can certainly refer it and get the answer at a later date. So nobody should be afraid of us. Yes, we do have to go and handle some interesting um, things, but on the whole, we basically are there just watching and making sure everything is going well. We're watching safety. We're watching abuse. We should be out and about and not stuck in the office somewhere. So we should be out and about so we can solve problems. Yeah. And in, in my experience up north here in Canada, we have stewards. So what is the difference between uh, a TD and a steward? We do have stewards. They're in our national shows also, but they are they are basically a TD, but they do all the other venues that we have. Hunter Jumper, Arabian, Andalusians, Connemaras. We only are technical delegates for dressage. Why the name is different, I really don't know. <laughs> That's okay. probably like, yeah, exactly. But okay. Well, I, I think it comes down from uh, from the FEI. You know, we have, you know, FEI stewards who are, you know, then then it just goes down to national stewards and just to, yeah. just different titles. Right. Yeah, it would be easier if we were all stewards, but it's not. Yeah. That's we <laughs> just have to be different. Um, so we're different. We're just size, yeah. right? <laughs> yes, right. Exactly. Course. But I, I love the thought and I love the statement, you know, again, and, and I've talked about it on the program, you know, I do sit on the rules and um, the the high performance rules committee, but that is a little bit different, right? So, so we see the rules that come through and I, I sometimes get questions and, and I refer them immediately to a technical delegate because that's not my role. Like I, I know rules are coming through and we're looking at them, but I think that's really important to remember is that the TD or Stuart, depending on and what country you're in, um, they really truly are there that if you have a question, so for example, a French league snaffle, right, Susan, is going to be it's, illegal. It's going to be illegal. Yes. As of December 1st. Right. Yeah. So if you don't know what that French link is, or you have a question about your bit, it is, it is really behooves you early in the show. The show, the TDs are there the day before they are there walking around and they are typically very in plain sight to just casually walk up and say like, can I use this bit? Are these spurs legal? You're better off to ask questions ahead of time because then they can really advocate for you. Right. It's, so can exactly. you talk a little bit about that? I like to talk to people. I do have people that will say, I've got this, this, and this. I said, do you have it with you? Yes. Would you bring it? I need to see it. I don't like to say yes or no on something I have not seen. So yes, bits, bridles. The last couple of years, we've had all kinds of new bridles coming out. And those have been an issue. Um, some bridles uh did not have throw latches. And in America, we require a throw latch or a jowl strap. We have to have either of those too. So it behooves you if you have a question. If you think in your mind, I'm not sure this is right. It's probably not right. So go find somebody that can help you with it. And I'm more than glad to help you. I have resources. I do keep 
books of all the stuff that is sent to me so that I do not rely on the internet because in some places where I am, it doesn't work. So I do have stuff where I can go through it and find a picture that will show me, yes, this is okay. No, this is not okay. Or if I can't find something that says one or the other, my goal is to benefit a doubt goes to the writer. I say, go ahead and use it. However, you might want to check it with another TD because I've not got a rule on it yet. Um, there's some new bits that are I've, are out there. I saw one at the Arabian show last year. That's a modification of the Boucher that I was told when I sent the picture that this is probably going to be changed and probably be illegal and for people to watch for it. So hopefully our rule book helps us, but it doesn't help with every single thing that we need to know. And we do have avenues that we can get answers. We may not get them today, but my feeling is benefit of the doubt goes to the rider. Go ahead and use it now, but it could be different later. And, and so that's just a just a great segue into uh, you've been TDing at regionals, right? Where where a lot of people right. have, which is awesome. They've now gone to regionals and they've they they're going to finals. So what are some things that you've seen that you just kind of wanted to get out there for for our listeners? Okay, okay. When I was thinking about it today, I saw this year has been a very rough year as far as attire and equipment is concerned because of all the new rules that have come out. And previous to this time, if there was a rule infraction on your clothing or your equipment, primarily your clothing or a saddle pad, it was up to the judge's discretion whether they eliminated you or not. That all changed as of December 1st. Now it has to be eliminated. The judge cannot make that decision. I did a show in St. Louis early this year. Saddle pad was not correct according to the attire guidelines. Talked to the judge, said, this is what I found. What do you want to do about it? She says, it's not what I want to do about it. I have to eliminate her. So the judges have been pressed with this. They're not happy about it, but they are pressed with this. So it's very important now to, if you have a problem or, or think, I'm not sure this is right, check with the TD. We have resources that we can look up. Uh, there's saddle pads at Region 4 this year. I was standing at the championship ring outdoors, looked at this rider, came next to me, and I thought, oh, shoot, she has on an illegal saddle pad. This has been all year, illegal saddle pad. It had a stripe going from the back of the horse down to the bottom of the saddle pad. The stripes are illegal. I went over to her right away and said, do you have another saddle pad? She said, yes. Her trainer ran and got it. She was next horse in the ring. We swapped out the equipment quickly. She would have been eliminated. And the resources are out there. It's just that the competitors aren't looking at them. I don't know whether we're not getting the word out to them, but we saved her from being eliminated because of the saddle pad. Saddle pads have been a controversy this year with the little metal tags on them that give you the name of the manufacturer. Well, those now have been decided that they're okay. It's a manufacturer's tag. We were covering them over with, with numbers or we were putting tape on them or we were taking them off. So it's, this has been a really funny year and I advise people when they go to regionals, they've spent a lot of money to go there. Be traditional. If you have a doubt about something, go traditional. Do the standard, the dark coat, the white breeches, the black boots. 
um, to be safe so you don't get eliminated for something stupid about clothing. Yeah. Well, like, no, like I, you said, it's a lot better to, you know, get permission than to beg for forgiveness because exactly, exactly. You're and not going to get that forgiveness. It's in the rules. The judges have to stick to the rules or, you know, the, the yeah. stewards have to and, stick to the rules. It's not, yeah. A lot of these things aren't discretion. Um, no, it's yeah. not, it's, it's not me saying you can't do that. It's the rule book telling me you can't do that. Yeah. So it is important, and I know some of these things are going to be changing. I've already heard about the, if you look at that guidelines, it's about 50 pages long. You would not believe. It's pretty open. It'd be amazing that anybody could have anything illegal. However, I have found illegal saddle pads. So, um, I mean, there's boots. You can have lace-up boots up the front that have a different color lacing than the boot. Mm-hmm. It's it's yeah. really very very open um, now. So, but then again, if it is an infraction, it's an elimination. It's not a discussion. It's not education. I believe in education. I like to educate people. Then if they do it again, then that's a, a different story. But um, I advise people to check that. If they're in doubt, if they're in question, go talk to the TD before yeah, they use just- it. Just oh, go, yeah. you know, yeah, you're they're, there. They're, they're I, friendly. Yeah. You're, yeah. Not, they're friendly. you're not trying yeah. to uh, sneak something by them. Like, oh, let's, no. I'm just going to, you know, ride. And then, and then, uh, you know, then I'll figure out whether they, they know their rule and, book or whatever. It's, it's, it's silly. It's just. And we can't do anything after the fact, but we can do it at four. And I'm always spend most of my time. I'm out and about. I'm very seldom in the office. I spend a lot of time at the warm up arenas and I'm watching. I'm always looking for bits. I'm looking for spurs upside down, which I find a lot. And, you know, abuse and rough riding. And so I'm right there to be able to stop it or catch something. Yeah, before, before it you happens, go, before you, know? you go in the ring, yeah, that's before right. You like looking at helmets, making sure the helmets mm-hmm. are, are tight enough. Um, I try not to, if it, unless it's a really major safety, I try not to disturb somebody while they're in their warm up. But I will talk to them afterwards. Yeah, because I don't want to mess up their train of thought and get them all yeah. upset when the when the wicked TD walks over to them. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that you do such a great job about that, and I think that's really important. And um, Susan, you mentioned it a, a couple of statements ago, but you know, this stuff is public, so I think people get angry because they're like, "Well, we didn't know." So, where do you advise people to go? I mean, it comes out for sure before the competition year starts, which is December 1st, all right. of everything is published. So can you kind of give people a quick, where do you go for that? Well, I try to tell people, and I was just telling a, a mother with a young girl at the region fours this year, go to the rule book. I don't expect you to read the entire rule book, but read the sections that pertain to you. If you're going to be at equitation, read those sections. Do I need a whip in my class? Can I go without a whip? Is it illegal to have a whip? This is a question I got at Region 4s. And I moved it back to the mother and I said, you know, this is something you and your daughter need to be doing. You need to be training and working with the rule book. And the, the rules are there. And if it's not written, then it's okay. If it doesn't say something, it's okay. So I think the rule book cannot cover everything. Most importantly, it will cover what you can do and what you can't do. And if there's a discrepancy, seek out your TD. Because if it's not there, they can get some resources to maybe find an answer. But 
Very few competitors read the rule book. I must admit I didn't before I became a TD. I now pay great attention to the rule book. It's all there. And it's not like it's a secret of the rules. They're there. Just as a a quick note, um, Canada has just published their proposed rule changes for next year. So, I mean, you can go online to the Equine Canada website and, uh, and review, review the proposed changes. And if there's something there that you don't, you know, like it's a, it's a comment time, right? So if there's something there that you don't like, or you have a question about or something like that, I mean, you can, you can, here's your time to, uh, not after it's come through and then, and then like, you know, there's nothing, there's nothing you can do. Right. So. And the rule book does make mistakes. There's been many, many times that I have made rule change proposals because it wasn't stated in the rule book. Yeah. And I could not, since I could, I believe when somebody comes to me or some somebody comes to me that there's a problem out there, I have to find it in the rule book before I can do anything about it. And if there's nothing there, I can't do really anything about it because they're not breaking the rule because it's not there. Perfect example was seeing somebody at a show with a double bridle on and using a running martingale on the snaffle ring, the burgoon ring. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's wrong. I made a rule change proposal and changed that. Another thing was an EMT. A show I was doing wanted to use an EMT out of Michigan. The venue they were using was Indiana. Indiana requires EMTs to be licensed in their state only. Okay, rule change proposal. It's now a rule change proposal. EMT has to be licensed where the show is going on. You can't get somebody from another state to come in and do your show. They don't know everything. So you as a competitor can always make rule change proposals. I saw another one just at a breed show I did about three weeks ago here in Kentucky. The rule states you have to wear a helmet when you're in the competition ring. But what about when you're in the warm-up ring? And what about when you're standing outside with these young horses that are kicking in the air? I made the decision along with the safety coordinator that helmets were mandatory for anybody to handle the horse. So that's a rule change proposal I want to present because it's a safety issue. And safety trumps everything. I mean, if anybody out there has some good ideas about things, years ago I proposed proposed a rule change about junior young riders not having to use a double bridle because a lot of them really couldn't handle that. And they finally, when FEI then said, you can ride, unless it's a CDI, you can ride in in a snapple bridle in FEI. Okay, then why can't juniors do that? So now it is a rule. Juniors can do it for qualifying. They have to go into double bridle for championships. But at least they have that season to qualify with the snaffle. And it's not the bridle that causes the thing. It's the riding. Yeah, exactly. So. And, and it, it, the growth and, and development of those riders and, and having that is, is important. So, I mean, I think that's the thing. Like, it, it the rule book and, and, and working with TDs and changing. If you don't like something, change it. Like, you can. You it's, can, it's, yes. That's what I tell people. I said, you can always write a rule. Anybody can write a rule proposal. The one thing I did want to make a point um, is uh, regionals. Make sure. You do not let your trainer on your horse. Yes. It's 24 hours before the show starts that nobody else can be on your horse but you. Through the duration of the competition. 
So it's not just until you're done with your championships. You can lose your championship if somebody else gets on that horse. Yeah. yeah. So and that's, that's just happened that happened at region four. So and that's happened at some other regions that I have been to. So um it's most important to read those rules because everybody has spent an awful lot of time and money doing this and then they have something stupid like that happen. And the other thing I want to make a point is when you get your tests, go over the test. Make sure that the math is correct on it because it has been times that it's not been correct. And you could have missed something you wanted as far as a qualifying just because you the points were not correct. And you have an hour from the end of the show to query anything you got. The next day it won't work. You're done. So right. those are those are sort of important rules, and they're they are all in the rule book. It's just that people don't read it, and yeah, it would be nice um, if they did. But that's that. It, but I think it's important. Like at the end of the day, that's not an excuse. Like that's not going to work. Well, I didn't know. Well, you know that's that's why we have this interview, so you know, like go talk to your TD or Stewart, ask Susan, yeah. ask in advance if you have questions. You know, ask pretty quickly. Don't go have a glass of wine and then go like ask yeah, right. and they will help you. Um, and that, and, and that's what you are truly there to help the competitors. So, and if, if you have a problem, say you've got your horse got hurt in the trailer, this has happened to me several times. Horse got hurt in the trailer, go find the TD, have them come take a look at your horse so that you see what, what has happened. And you can advise them on how to handle the situation. One experience was a horse fell in the parking lot and scraped its leg all up through talking with the girl longer. She was also a professional, decided the best thing to do. This was not um, in her best interest to be showing a horse with a, a leg that was all bloody. It was not dripping blood, but it was raw. So, you know, it was an accident. Um, so... The TD can sort of run a buffer for you if if they see something that definitely wasn't an abusive issue. It was a trailer accident. So, you know, rely on your TDs to help you with those instances because yeah. no, so we true. are there to help. We're not there to cause a problem. Yeah. I don't want to ding anybody. I get very upset if I if I cannot eliminate anybody. We have no powers. We just are the walking, talking rule book. So if somebody needs to be eliminated, either has to be the judge or the manager after talking with me. Well, Susan, thank you so much for You're very for welcome. through. This was so great. So how can our listeners find you online if they have any questions before nationals or there are a few more, I think a few more regionals that need to happen. So yes. how do they find you? Uh, my email address is Suzy Horse, S-U-Z-I-E, horse at AOL. Fantastic. And my phone, my phone number is 317-371-5152. So I'm more than glad to answer questions and find the answers or direct them where they need to go. I love it. Well, Susan, thank you so much for coming on and we can't wait to have you again. Well, I'm wonderful. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. This Nutrition Minute is brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, the company that simplifies your search for research-proven nutritional supplements at kppusa.com.
Spring is here, and so are pastures full of luscious green grass. Spring grass is high in vitamins, minerals, and sugar. Most horses have little problem adjusting to the changing sugar levels found in spring pasture, but for at-risk horses, grazing on sugary grass can lead to big problems such as colic or laminitis. By paying attention to daily temperatures and following a couple of simple rules, you can limit your horse's access to such sugar-laden grasses. In the spring and fall of the year, limit grazing or stop it completely when daytime temperatures are warm and nighttime temperatures are below 40 degrees Fahrenheit. Under these conditions, the grass produces sugar during the day and it stores it in its leaves. At night, the plant transfers the stored up sugars to the roots and stems to fuel the growth. If the evening temperatures are cold, the grass will not make that transfer and all of the sugar will remain in the leaves where it is readily available to your horse. In the summer when days are sunny and nights are warm, it is safe to allow grazing in the early morning hours, but it should be restricted late in the afternoon or evening. This is because most of the sugar that was produced the previous day has been used for growth overnight. Therefore, the level of sugar in the leaves is low in the morning. But as the day progresses, the grass once again accumulates sugar in its leaves in preparation for nighttime growth. So later in the day, the more sugar-packed leaves become. Because grass is a great source of essential vitamin E, horses that are restricted from grazing, especially easy keepers and horses in hard work, may develop vitamin E deficiencies. Lack of vitamin E can result in sore, stiff muscles and neurological problems. Elevate Maintenance Powder from Kentucky Performance Products is an affordable way to provide your horse with the vitamin E missing from his diet. Each scoop provides 1,000 international units of natural vitamin E, and natural vitamin E is absorbed and retained in the tissues at a much greater rate than the synthetic vitamin E found in many feeds and supplements. Best of all, when you choose a Kentucky Performance Product Supplement, you get a 100% satisfaction guarantee. This Nutritional Minute has been brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products. You can find all of their terrific products at kppusa.com. This is Sophia Agena. I'm Casey Wilbanks-Coletti. And I'm Mike Donnell. We're here to tell you about OESA, the Western and English Sales Association, and its podcast, Wisdom by OESA. WESA produces the world's largest trade events for retailers, manufacturers, and sales representatives in the equestrian industry. On our show, we talk to people who tell the stories of some of the best-known Western and equestrian brands. Visit wisdombywesa.com and tune in today. Well, tonight we have a fan favorite and our favorite here at the Dressage Radio Show, Karen Isberg from Kentucky Performance Products. Karen, hi, how are you? Hi, everybody. Good. It's always good to talk with you guys and catch up on everything that's going on in the world. I know. We've missed you so much. We were just chatting before and we're like, we better start the tape because we're here talking about everything. <laughs> get, get everybody all caught up at the same time, right? Exactly. Like we should just do a team effort here. I love it. Well, Karen, how are you? I'm doing really, really well. We're busy at work, very busy at work, which I'm not going to complain about. Um, we've you know, got some really cool, neat projects that we're working on at work. And so that that's always exciting. And then, of course, Oreo is doing great 
Um, we've been working a lot on keeping him going forward and, and working on him staying in front of my leg. And he's been extremely cooperative, even when it's hot out. You'd be very, you'd be very happy with him. And then um, I bought a oh, hundred acres. Yeah, you'd be proud of him. I bought a hundred acre farm next door to my house. And uh, we've been working on that. And we have lots and lots of, of trail riding we can do now. So we've been doing a lot of that too. So it's been relaxing and fun. And and that was a huge part that you had to work on. You, you t- really, because when you bought him, he was not super experienced. And he wasn't the easiest on trail, was he? And you've really worked really hard on that. No, and he's still he's still a big spook. I mean, he will we have deer and we have the big thing that we have is turkeys. And the turkeys wait until you get right on top of them and then they jump out of the grass and 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 turkeys actually fly and they actually fly pretty well. And they leap up out of the grass and they fly away and poor Oreo, he about passes out. <laughs> well, I, I don't I don't I mean, know if you could say that they they fly really well. I mean, I'm, I'm they they well, flap, they flap their wings do. a lot and make a big um Ooh, um, so I'm with Oreo. Really go. I am a hundred percent with Oreo guys. I'd be like, yeah, we're going back to the ring where I can see my, <laughs> yeah. from my, yeah. uh, you guys, <laughs> Phil and Karen would stay out there. I would be like, yeah, Oreo, let's do it, buddy. Let's get back in the ring. A hundred percent. I'd be like, I'm out like a Turkey. What? No. <laughs> the thing about Oreo is, you know, he's, he's so uh, up in front. You know what I mean? I mean, he's, his neck and head are up. He's tied in high and, so when he spooks, he he doesn't. He's not one of these horses that drops their shoulder and spins. He just kind of jumps up and goes sideways. So he just takes you with him, you know. He just and he doesn't do anything very fast. So his spooks aren't all that bad. But yeah, he's yeah. he walks I mean, around and he's like, yeah, the, the horses, there? the horses that drop in front are, are the tricky ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're the ones that get you off. Yeah. And yeah. Oreo is a kind soul. Like he's not, he, that would legitimately freak him out. And I'm with him. That'd freak me out. Like I'm totally, <laughs> I'm with Oreo here. I'm like, what? A hundred acres and turkeys. I'm with Oreo. I'd be like, yeah, let's go back to the barn. That'll be great. <laughs> but he's good. No. I ride him out by myself all the time and he's, Wonderful. you know, he's good. Yeah. He's I'm been great. So. Karen, do you take a cell phone? I just, cause I think that's really important to, to mention. I do. Not only yeah. do I take a, tel- a cell phone, but whenever I get on, if I'm alone at home, um, I have what I, ca- I call them my spotters. And so awesome. I call a, a friend or my son. If the, my, I have a friend that I do it with all the time, but otherwise I call my son and I say, okay, I'm getting on. Here's where yeah. I'm going. And here's when you should expect to hear from me again. And if you don't, you need to come find me. Come look me. Yeah. <laughs> no, something I, wrong. Yeah. That's super important, right? Like yeah. I, I know, I knew you do that. That so I, I knew that was going to be a good question because, and we did that in Florida too. You know, when somebody would head out on the loop or go for a trail ride, it was like, please take your cell phone. Obviously, wear your helmet. You know, so we know we know to be looking for you when you come back, and and I think that's really yeah. important because you do live at home alone, and um, you know, you're riding riding by yourself, so I think that's really important. So God, yeah, and even God when I ride in the indoor, I I call, I yeah. have I have a spotter, I you know whoever, and they don't necessarily have to be the next door neighbor. They just have to, I just want somebody to know I'm on and I'm off. Yep, yep. And if you know you it. don't hear from me, you need to come find out what went yeah. on. What's going on? Yeah, we do the same here too. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, very rarely will I be here by myself riding, but you know, I always let my husband know, like, hey, I'm on, and I just, you know, pop on the door when his, you know, my barn is within my house. You know, my house is attached to the barn, so I can just, I just knock on the door when I come back in, and so he, he knows we're still alive. So I think that's good. Yeah, protocol. Good idea. 
But we also have just a, I shared it on Facebook, but just a good public service, you know, about it's fall uh, here in Kentucky. We're actually having the most beautiful weather. This is the most beautiful time. Uh, I hate for anybody that's coming for the finals. November takes a turn that second week in November, but our September, October here are typically awesome. So we've had great weather, but but definitely we wanted to talk about muzzles because this is a, actually an interesting time with the grass. And I didn't know it before before I started hanging out with you and got smarter. Um, can you kind of give everybody that that PSA? Absolutely. This is this is definitely a danger time if you have a horse that's sensitive to sugar in the grass, or if you have a horse that you think might be metabolic, or it, you know, is the it's a type of breed that could be metabolic. You know, if you're if you're keeping them in a muzzle, keep them in the muzzle now. And the most dangerous time is when it's sunny during the day and beautiful, like 50s and 60s, lots of sun, and then it gets cold at night, anywhere below 40 degrees. Because grass grows at night. During the day, grass makes all its energy through photosynthesis because it needs the sun to do that. And then at night, grass literally takes all of the sugars that it produced all day long and uses it to grow upwards. It uses it to grow stems, to grow roots, to grow leaves. So if it's below 40 degrees, the grass doesn't grow because it's too cold. So all that sugar stays in the, in the leaves. And when your horse goes out to graze in the morning, all the sugar from the day before is still there. And if that happens over several days, you can accumulate really high amounts of sugar in that grass. So if you have a sugar-sensitive horse, you can either, you know, uh, if you have one that's foundered before, I would take them off grass completely when, when those conditions are, uh, those environmental conditions are happening because it's just too risky to put them out. But definitely keep your muzzles on well into when once that grass dies and goes dormant, then it's then it's a little bit safer to take the muzzles off. But as long as the grass is still in somewhat of a growing stage, you you can get into real trouble when it gets too cold at night. Yeah. And, you know, we actually I, I shared that the other day and then I because I, you would you'd get made a great post and I, I reshared it, but I actually had like three or four students come in and the horses, you know, I see the horses once a week. A lot of times the Hollands are coming in and I was like, did you take their muscles off? And they're like, yes, why? I'm like, because I can tell. <laughs> and by the way, like, don't take the muzzles off right now. Like, this is not the time. And then I, I said, hey, you know, read read the article um, th- that Karen wrote, because this is really important now. Like, don't do it. And when they said that, it was it was good. So um, I think that's yeah. important for people to to remember, you know. Yeah. And actually, the cool season grasses do their best growing right now when it's, that's why they're called cool season grasses. And they're the ones that produce all the sugar. So especially in Kentucky, it's uh, this is a dangerous time for your sugar sensitive horses. So you need to be careful. Watch the weather, know what's Watch going on. The weather. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And Karen, I I'm just, cause we've been, this has been a big topic and I think this may be situational where you are, but this happens a lot right now where, you know, we can get up to 80, 85 during the day and, and go into the forties at night. Um, do you blanket yet? Are you blanketing yet? Boy, you know, this morning I woke up and I thought, <laughs> I should have put blankets on these horses. I know. Um, my blankets haven't come back. They're, they're being washed. They're, they're yeah. almost done. They haven't come back yet. <laughs> and I ran out and particularly, you know, um, Bach and Glenn, who I have at my farm, the Olympic horse, he gets cold. And yeah. I ran out here and I'm like, Glenn, Glenn, are you cold? Are you cold? And he wasn't, he was fine. Were so fine, yeah. I think because it's warm during the day that, 
that they were all right. But now it's getting there. I mean, yeah. I thought about it. I'm like, mm, yeah. you know, here soon I'm going to have to start putting some blankets <laughs> on at night because it's getting cold. And we, especially we if you don't want thing. the horses to grow their winter coats, you know. <laughs> My pony like, already we, has enough coat to be in the oh, middle of winter. She's amazing, but so but they're all getting fuzzy, aren't they? Or they are, are getting fuzzy, and and but I I I kind of take a natural approach. Like all our horses are done showing until nationals, so we don't really have to worry. You know, um, Big Mike he'll he'll have to get clipped before he goes over to the horse park, but he's inside, so I don't have to worry too much about that. You know, we'll put a cooler on, go to the go to the venue, and then take it off, and he'll be fine. Yeah, but um. The rest of them, I sort of let nature take control. Phil, oh, what do yeah. you what do you do? What do you well, do this time? A little bit more advanced. Uh, yeah, than you are than we are. Yeah, more north and and uh, for sure we're like my horses are done showing, but we do have one more show, and then we yeah. just sort of had this debate. Yeah, it's always a today. Debate. I you know like well, it was today or yesterday, and it was just like you know, should we clip them? Should we not clip them? You know, yeah. what's going on? But for sure. We're thinking about blanketing, um, or you know, at least just closing the doors to the to the, yes. to the barn. It's it's terrible, but we, I mean, we have to 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 kind of keep some of the warmth in uh, for the for the foals and and for the older horses. So, sure. yeah, I mean, it's just we're we're getting into that. Do we? Don't we? Kind of. Yeah, it's uh, that dance. You know, yeah, that that yeah. seasonal change. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Yeah. And I mean, if a horse has, you know, if you're not, if, if a horse has his, his normal hair coat, most of them do fine in the winter, unless it gets really, really cold or it gets really wet and windy and they can't get out of the wet and wind. But, you know, if you are showing or continuing to ride your horse all winter and you do need to clip them, then you need to think about blankets. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I know. Yeah. Now, like today, right now, <laughs> after, <laughs> after this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> well, Karen, our discussion today, it's kind of a, an interesting journey you and I had together. And, and I, I thank you right now. I've thanked you before, but um, 2020, the winter of 2019 to, to the winter of 2020, um, you were with us in Florida and, and I was having a real problem with Big Mike um, because he was having a lot of and he looked beautiful. I will tell you, like that, that that's what was interesting about this story was it, we had gone to a horse show and he won like literally, you know, the most, the best groomed, beautiful horse of the horse show, like won this huge award in Wellington. My groom, Sarah and I were chatting about this the other day and laughing. We thought we were being like punked. We're like, are you serious? Like us? But, you know, he had been pulled that he was like the most, the best groomed horse and he had beautiful dapples. Um, but we were having a terrible time with his skin and, and literally he got quite sick, like with, with the stomach ulcers and, um, you know, and, and I was very lucky cause you were with us in Florida. And, and, you know, one evening I said, Karen, we gotta, we gotta talk about Mike, like some, something's not right here. Like, I mean, he looks okay, but he's not okay. Um, yeah. and I'm having a lot of trouble with him. And so we sat down and we, you know, looked at all the supplements and we looked at his food and, and I'm going to let you take it over from here, but it was really a difficult time as an owner because I was like, Oh my gosh, like he looks great, but there's, there's something wrong with him. So I'm going to, I'm going to let you take the story on from here. Yeah. Well, you had tried when, when we, ta- when we talked, you had tried a lot of different things. You had tried a lot yeah. of different feeds on him. You had gone through, you know, we, we had, we had discussed it before. We'll try this. We'll try that. We'll try this. And you were just kind of at the end where you couldn't yeah. do anything. 
And at that point, um, I just kind of thought, well, you've kind of taken everything. You had gone to a low sugar diet. You had, you had, um, you know, you'd done all of those things that he wasn't eating a lot. I mean, he never ate a whole lot of grain. So it wasn't that he was getting grain overload and we had him on, we had him on probiotic wise for his gut and we had him on all of these things. And, um, it just, the last thing we thought about was maybe it was, he was allergic to soy because soy protein Mm -hmm. is in most feeds because it's an extremely good source of lysine for horses. And, and soy is, you know, I know sometimes soy gets a bad name, but soy is a very good feed for horses. And I don't want people to take this conversation that, oh my God, my horse has got something wrong with him. I'm going to cut soy out of his feed. It's kind of the last place that I go, but we did, I said, well, you know, just, just in case, I mean, it's usually not a problem. Most horses don't have an issue with it, but just in case, why don't you take him off his, that feed that has this, I think it was a balancer pellet actually. That he it was, was a balancer. Yeah. Again, like you said, yeah, it was the balancer. We'd gone down. Food. I mean, we were done with yeah. grain. We had gone just to this balancer yeah. pellet, you know, which had nothing yeah. but super fibrous and balancers in it, you know, just some, some soybean and, and, and basically, I mean, it's basically vitamins and minerals and soybean, you know, that's basically right. what a balancer pellet is. And I said, take him off of that and put him on the microphase. There's no soy in it. And then there's no soy in his diet at all. And let's see how he does. And boom, I mean, that just kind of turned him around pretty quickly, didn't it? Right. With alfalfa pellets. So, so yeah. we had, our, you know, again, I, I was very lucky because Karen was in the barn and this was not a, a overnight discussion. Like this was a, okay, let's try this grain. Let's try this grain. You know, again, he, he was eating great. Like he wasn't presenting like a horse that had ulcers, right? He never stopped eating his hay. He never stopped eating anything, but his skin was terrible and and again, I have pictures. Like he looked great. Like and unless you knew, unless you were recent Karen in the barn, and and we also you know consulted our vet too. Like we had a whole team on this. We're like, what is going on with this horse? You know, so y- you yeah, did. You were we really went, fighting his immune system. It seemed like his immune system just wasn't yes. where it needed to be. And the alfalfa pellets is because the hay that you feed isn't the highest in protein. It's a nice grass hay, right. but it's not the highest right. in protein. So we added the alfalfa pellets in to pick up the protein profile without using the the um <clears throat> the soybean and pretty much for an adult horse now not for a growing horse but for an adult horse um alfalfa will have enough slicing in it to meet yeah. their recommend their needs but not yeah. vitamin e so so you kept him on the vitamin e uh yeah. he's on a joint supplement he he's on uh, um a joint armor he's on the probiotic wise for his he's on the probiotic wise and then we put him on this microphase product and you know, it's literally like, I've kind of felt like I was, Karen's like, let's try it. Let's just see. And we have not changed it since then. He has been awesome. So it was a real big lifesaver. So Karen, tell everybody what the microphase was, which was what my question was for you. Well, microphase is basically just a vitamin and mineral pellet. So you have, there's, there's really three choices that you can feed your horse. You can feed your horse a fortified concentrate And that's, you know, the feeds that you get from Triple Crown and come in a bag and, you know, and you feed somewhere between five and 10 pounds, depending on what your horse needs. So that's a, that's, that's a a feed. Or you can feed a balancer pellet, which is basically what we talked about, vitamins and minerals and a protein source. So not really any energy. Or you can feed just a straight vitamin and mineral pellet, which is what microphase is, which has yet less calories 
It has, it's not a protein supplement. It just has the vitamins and minerals. And you typically will feed that in a diet where a horse is, where a horse is getting enough protein and enough energy from their hay or, or being turned out on pasture. This just replaces what's missing in hay. Mm-hmm. So that's, mm-hmm. that's basically what it is. And that's yeah. how you would use and, it. And that was the other thing. Um, he always had a nibble net. So, and that's always, we try to keep it always full for him. So he is always sort of, um, chewing on, Hey, he's always eating that, you know, when we're in Kentucky, we, he goes out in a great field, like great grass, but we were in Florida. So there was no grass. I mean, there was sort of grass, but nothing with any real nutritional value. Um, but this really changed his life because we were really having such a hard time with him. And I felt bad. Like we all did. We're like, oh my gosh, like we're trying to make this worse, um, healthy, uh, but we weren't able to. So I wanted to share my story and, and Karen and I talked about it. It's been, it's been two years, two and a half years now that we've done this. And it was truly, you know, life, a game changer and a life changer for him. And he, he looks absolutely stunning. You know, he's going to national championships, like, um, it, it was a real life and game changer for Mike and his skin cleared up. Um, his ulcers got better. Now, again, we were also, you know, he was getting, right. You were doing I mean, there was a lot of care. with your veterinarians. And I think that's yeah. the key. So here's the right. key. You didn't just go on the internet and go, you know, enter mm-hmm. some keywords in and then take whatever the internet told you to do. You were working mm-hmm. with nutritionists. You were working with your veterinarians and you were setting up a program that treated the whole horse. And yeah. I think that's, that's really important. And lots of times when people call me up, you know, and we have conversations about what's going on with their horses, you know, one of my recommendations is, look, you need to get your veterinarian involved. You need to have them come in and run whatever tests, you know, or have their teeth checked or, you know, whatever needs to be done. But it's so important that you, that you treat the horse as a whole horse and that you work with your veterinarian and with your nutritionist to, to figure out what's going on. And then also, you know, that you're, you also want to look at your management practices, you know, and of course yours are very good, but in some, some instances, some horses just need to be out more or in more or, you know, whatever the case may be for the horse, but it's important to look at all aspects and not just to try to solve your problem with one, with one solution. And it it, it took a while. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it did take a while. Yeah, like you I had said, kind of exhausted everything that veterinary medicine oh, could do. Oh, yeah. and I was like, Karen, what do we do? And, 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 you know, again, I was very lucky because you were in the barn and you knew what we were doing. Um, and, and you were, you were helping and advising throughout the whole process. Um, but it was really difficult and, and it was really, I like, I mean, I was just like, Oh my gosh, like I can, cannot figure out what the key is for this horse. But really, as soon as we got him off that soy, it, it really changed, changed yeah. his, whole life. And, um, it, it, it's exactly what he eats today. <laughs> Literally everything that we changed that year, that, that spring is, um, he's continued on it. And, you know, sometimes we up the alfalfa pellets or, or we take him down a little bit, depending on sort of what his, his, his weight is and that kind of stuff. Um, and, you know, again, here in Kentucky, um, he's out, we, uh, he did have to be muzzled last year. We didn't muzzle him this year, but, you know, we watch his weight. Um, but he looks pretty darn good. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I think it's a fun story and and it's a good story to tell that, you know, you never quite know exactly what people are going through, but 
I'm so thrilled that you were on our team and, and continue to be on our team, but we were able to work together and, and figure that out. So Karen, how do people figure that out, you know, can work with you on the same type of problem? Um, if they've got a question about what they're feeding their horse, they can send that question to info at kppusa.com and that will come to me. And then we can start a conversation. Um, but it, usually I need, I have to ask a lot of questions and I need information. So email is really the best way to do that. They can always call the office as well um, at our office, um, 859-873-2974 during office hours, which are 8 to 5, Monday through Friday, and they can leave a message there. I'd say you can message me on Facebook, but Facebook's doing some really weird things with the business pages, and I don't always see my messages anymore, so it's not the greatest place. Um, You're probably best to just send me an email at info at kppusa.com if you have in-depth questions about your horse's diet, then you may think that there's a certain supplement that would help them. And I'm, I'm certainly happy to look at that. Wow. Fantastic. Karen, as you know, I love you. I'm so thankful. Big Mike loves you. His tummy's so much better. And uh, it was a game changer for him and in the microphase and in the products that we use. Uh, I'm a huge believer in them because they really changed his life. So um, from my heart, thank you so much. And I hope that um, people can enjoy the story and, and we can help some other horses as well. Well, and I'm always happy. I mean, that's why I got into this business was to help horses. So if I yeah. can help a horse, It just makes my day. So I'm just thrilled that he's doing so well on that. That's terrific because Mikey's he's such a cool horse. (laughs) We love him. (laughs) (laughs) He's a fan favorite. So Karen, thank you so much. Well, tonight we are so excited to have back, which we feel like we just did this interview, but it was a year ago. We have Christina Wright. She is USDF Competitions Director. And Christina, how is it already finals time? Ah! Yes, Reese, I agree with you. It's hard to believe. It just seems like it was yesterday that we were uh, all getting prepared for finals, but uh, now we've completed a lot of the regional championships already. So yes, that, that's hard to believe. I know it is, isn't it? It's it's like, okay, Christina, it's time again this year. So we're going to start from the beginning because I think this whole process can get a little tricky. And so we want to make sure we get the message out of, okay, you've gone to your regional finals. I'm going to, I'm going to give it to you from there. So what do we do? Or maybe you still haven't quite gone to your regionals. So I'm going to let you take it over from there and kind of tell us the process of what will happen to get to finals. Yeah. Some competitors have certainly, well, probably more than halfway have competed at the regional championships already. There is a few more regions uh, to have their regional championship. So competitors need to have declared prior to competing at the regional championship to receive an invitation by placing. So there's two ways to qualify for the U.S. dressage finals. One is by the placing in the regional championship class. And another way is by obtaining a wild card score in their regional class. Uh, Riders uh, that receive invitations through a wild card score are not required to have completed the declaration prior to their regional championship. So after the regional championship, all riders, whether they received an invitation through placing or through wild card score, are required to complete the nomination process by Thursday midnight 
after the regional championship competition. The nomination process involves entering and paying for the class fee that the rider wants to attend at the finals. The last step in the process is entering the actual finals competition, just like you would any other competition, and uh, that must be done by the by the closing date of the competition. Yeah, so there's a couple ways to get in, and I think that that's really important. So the wild card score, there there's a chart, right? You can find this chart. So you kind of, and I, I always like, I always look at that score. I'm like, what do I need to get if I don't get one or two? And I've gotten in on a wild card a couple times. Um, so where do you find that particular chart? So that chart is listed in the uh, prize list for the U.S. Dressage Finals, which is listed on uh, the homepage of the U.S. Dressage Finals website, which is www.usdressagefinals.com. And then it, each division and level is the, the wild card score is listed. So it is a little bit different depending on if it's an open division or adult amateur division or junior young rider division. Excellent. So this website, okay, so now we, let's say we have already, we've gotten in on the wild, we, we've gone to the regionals. Let's say we've either gotten in on placing or the wild card. What happens now? What's the next step? So the next step is to nominate. And that needs to be done Thursday midnight after your regional championship class. So again, that's basically four days after you've completed your regional championship class. And you nominate by going to the website, usdressagefinals.com, and entering and paying the applicable class fee. Can you also enter asking for a friend, yeah. a.k.a. Yeah. myself? So riders can complete their full entry at the same time they complete the nomination phase. And there is an advantage of doing that. The advantage of doing that is that the heated stabling that is provided is somewhat limited at the horse park. And so the heated stabling is allocated based on region and based on the date that your complete entry is submitted. So if you are interested in obtaining heated stabling, it's to your advantage to submit your entry, your complete entry, as soon as possible. I am someone who doesn't do well in the cold. So I have I have currently already done my entry because I knew this, this fact, right? This is important. There, There is great stabling mm-hmm. outside. It's safe. It's just you're mm-hmm. going to be outside. So which in right. Kentucky in November... It's a little wild card. You never know. It could be beautiful. Yeah. And it can be cold. So I think that's kind of moving forward now to packing for the finals. This is actually important, right, Christina? You need to sort of pack for all weather, right? Yes, exactly. You're, you're <laughs> right. It has been 75 degrees and, and sunny. And, and then there's other years where it's been a lot cooler than that. So, um it is kind of a wild card this time of year in Kentucky. Um, and it certainly, I think, depends on, to where the horses come from. Um, I think some people that some people actually do not want the heated stabling, that they feel their horses, that's not something their horses are accustomed to and don't want to, you know, choose not to be in the heated stabling. 
Yeah, no, I think, and I think that's important. Um, you know, last year I competed, um, I just did, I, I'm, you know, pretty close. So I could bop over there for one evening. I, I just paid for the outside stall. So I didn't, I didn't go mm-hmm. this time. Um, you know, it was cold and, uh, you know, I'm there a little bit longer. I'm there for a few more days. Um, so I, I, it was important to me to be inside. I wanted to be inside, but, um, I think mm-hmm. that's, you know, again, depending and depending on where you're competing. Right. So that's the the next thing you sort of need to look at. Right. So your best friend becomes a website, right. At that point, once you've entered, then kind of talk people through, okay, you've done your entry. Then what happens, Christina? Right, well, once you've submitted your complete entry, you should receive a uh, acknowledgement stating that your entry has been received. There are, as you mentioned, a lot of resources on the website that uh, some riders may certainly take advantage of, especially riders that are coming from a farther distance. We have transportation resources and kind of ride sharing resources on the finals website. Um, there's also information about our extracurricular activities as well as maps, you know, what to expect when you come to the horse park, uh, some of the horse park rules and um, that type of thing. A couple of weeks before the show, our show management does a great job at communicating um, out through email to our competitors about parties and expectations and award ceremonies and, and that kind of thing associated with the competition. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, November in Kentucky is awesome and it's a great time. And, you know, truly it's such an event and has become, uh, Christina, you and I have been here from the beginning and, and how it's really Mm -hmm. become a huge event. And there's so many things that go on and, and it's a great time in Kentucky. Uh, Philip has, has, I think you've been to all the bourbon places, Phil, but (laughs) (laughs) with my husband, Mm -hmm. uh, I had to once, request, I was like, Phil, you have to be back to warm me up, uh, for my finals class. But, um, there's so many fun things in Kentucky that happen and we have great restaurants and places to stay. However, it, it, if you're going to come, um, it's, it probably is good to book early, right? There's a lot, lots of things that happen here in the fall. A- am I right? Yeah, absolutely. Yep. And, and as well on the website, we've got a list of um, you know, hotels uh, that are affiliated with the show that some of them do give a discount. So yeah, for sure, it's it's a great idea to kind of get everything lined up ahead of time uh, regarding your accommodations and, and your horse transportation and that type of thing. Yeah, exactly. It's it's probably worth your worth your time to go ahead and book your to- hotels and because we have football games that happen. I, I'm not sure if this week this year it's the same with a football game or if Keeneland's going on, but we have a lot of activities that happen. Uh, in the fall in, in this area. So it's, it's a good idea that to go ahead and do that. And, uh, Airbnbs, that kind of stuff. If you're going down that route, we, I think, uh, we could tell you like book them early. I, I don't know about you, Christina, but I become very popular right around the second week in November. People are like, Hey, what's going on at your house? Um, right. <laughs> which I, I love, I love when people come and visit us and, and see where we, we are and, and sometimes, um, you know, maybe stay with us, et cetera. But, um, it is a time go ahead. And, and if you, if you want to come book it early, do yourself a favor. Um, and that way you have everything lined up and, and all the good stuff. But, um, Christina, is there anything else you want to kind of tell people about coming to finals, et cetera? Well, um, I think everybody is aware, but this is our second year now that we have training through fourth level junior young rider classes. So that's, 
that's very exciting. I was in New Mexico over the weekend at the Region 5 Championships, and there was there was a couple junior young riders that were interested in, in coming to the finals. So I was I was pretty excited about that. It's kind of nice to see the, the junior young riders being incorporated into our U.S. dressage finals. Oh, I think it's fantastic. And, you know, I, I've had some friends in the last week or so, you know, they say, oh, should we, should we come? And, and I will say if, if you qualify, I always tell people like, come, it's an amazing experience. It's fun. It's, mm-hmm. it's worth your time. Um, you never know what the next year will hold. Um, so I, I literally gave someone a pep talk today about that. So, um, mm-hmm. I, I think it's, I think it's worth it. And, um, Christina, I have to ask last question. What's your favorite okay. restaurant in Lexington people should go to? What do you like? Where do you like to go? <laughs> totally I like off Carson's. Yeah, right, right. I like Carson's, which is downtown and kind of has yep. a bit of a Southern menu, but not totally all Southern, if that makes sense. So, yeah. um, yeah, that's, that's <laughs> I like Carson's too. That's a good one. That's a really good one. I yeah. love it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I like Carson's. Um, there's another restaurant, um, kind of in that same area. It's called East end tap room. That's fun. Uh, we can, we can, Christina and I can help you. You can send me an email at resohorseradionetwork.com and I will, uh, I'll give you a few fun restaurants to go to, but we got, we have open table. We have lots of fun restaurants and places to go downtown and, um, bourbon distilleries mm-hmm. and things that are close. So we're happy to help you with that. And I know there's actually a, a tourism website also on the finals. So if you have your spouse come, uh, we have golf, we have all the things here. So, uh, we'd love to share it. So Christina, thank you so much for your time. If our listeners have questions, how can they find you online? Oh, absolutely. I'd be happy to answer any questions that anybody does have. My email address is online, um, under the USCS staff tab. Um, and I can be contacted through phone as well, and which is on the website as well, and be happy to either speak to and or email, um, anybody with any questions that they have with the, with the finals. Awesome. Well, she's fantastic. She'll let you know all the things and, uh, we're, we're so happy to have you, you know, have you as a resource for us. And, uh, we hope everyone enjoys planning and coming to, to our town, uh, and enjoying the finals. So thanks so much, Christina. Thank you, Reese. Hope to see everybody in Kentucky. Well, as always, we love email and Facebook shout outs. We hope you guys have a great week. Dressage at Devon is happening this week, and that's always fun to watch. And uh, we'll be live streaming for sure. You can find our show notes and links to today's guests on our website, dressageradio.com. Like us on Facebook, just search Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com, and my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com. I think the best way to find me is probably through Facebook or my email is philip at horseradionetwork.com. I'd like to thank our sponsors for allowing us to put on a show this week. That's Kentucky Performance Products. If you'd like to support our show and the Horse Radio Network, you can do that through the auditor program found at horseradionetwork.com. Everybody, keep your heels down and your shoulders back, and we look forward to chatting with you next week. (laughs) 